0: Glory to God. All right, well, this morning I have a lot that I'd like to share that I'm going to attempt to squeeze into, oh, I don't know, 45 minutes plus, maybe heavy on the plus. And I had a number of verses prepared, but as I was sitting in my seat, a different verse came to light, so I'm going to start with that one. And you're probably going to go, where are you going with this? And we will find out together. (laughs) So Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And you know, I think I'm going to read the whole passage here, not the whole of chapter five, forgive me, no. There's a section here I want to read, um, and I think we'll kind of get down to, yeah, you'll see. Let's start in verse 21. It says this, this is from the Amplified here, it says this, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is head of the church, himself the Savior of his body. As the church is subject to Christ, so let lives, wives be subject in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such things even so husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no man ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is very great, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And it goes on to say some. Other wonderful things. Look at what it says here. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He's talking about separating from and being joined unto, right? Leaving his father and mother, separating from and being joined to his wife, and the two become one. This mystery is very great. I like how that just gets thrown in there. Because indeed, it is a very great no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hallelujah. For all you married folks, you're chuckling to yourselves. And those that are not, well, you'll see. <laughs> this mystery is very great, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. So he's not just talking about husband and wife here. He's talking about the anointed one, Christ, the Messiah. And us, his church. There was a point in time where he left his father. He did. He was, at, he was at the right hand of the father from the very beginning. Always. But there came a point in time when he left the father's side and took on flesh and became a man, and lived on this earth. Hallelujah. What was the purpose? It was for his bride. For us, his bride. And his purpose was for us to be joined to him. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Very good news. Praise the Lord. So this morning, I'd like us to start thinking about something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a word out there. And when I throw that word out there, there are going to be different ideas that come to your mind, different impressions right away. And that word is separation. So when I say separation, people have different ideas that come to mind, right? And you're thinking in your head, usually separation has a bad connotation to it right? Right. If you've ever seen, like, for example, children, if they're going to the uh, mall with their parents, and they're little, and they get distracted by toys on the shelf, and their parents have gone to go down a different aisle, and the next thing you know, the child looks around and is separated from their parents, and they begin to You know, some of them just sit there with a toy and enjoy it. But there are others that will start to panic and, you know, check the aisle and then that aisle. And, you know, where'd mom go? Where'd dad go? Right. Or the other way around. Mom panics. Where was that kid? It was right here just a moment ago. And the child has left. And panic ensues. Why? Because there's separation. Normally, they're clinging to the hip, and now they're off doing something else. You know, and as children grow up and get older, there's the same kind of separation anxiety when they get ready to leave the house. It's like, you know, did you, did you get everything going off to college or whatever you're doing? Did you, you pack? You have, you know, there's a separation there. And usually we think of that on the negative side. And there's actually good reason for it. There's good reason to think of it on the negative side. Because Separation means two that were joined together are no longer joined together. And so often, you know, when we talk about things like separation, it can be a painful thing that we're discussing and talking about. You know, there are some people that have been separated from their jobs. Right? Sometimes unwillingly separated from their jobs. So there, there are things that we deal in, with in life that are difficult because of separation. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm just scratching the surface of these things, but you start talking about this, and there are some deep wounds in people because of what we're talking about this That's morning, right. right? But I want you to consider for a moment what happened at the very beginning when God created man. Here was his man, man and woman that he made to have fellowship with, have relationship with, and they did something that separated them from God. Their sin, their disobedience separated themselves from the Father. That's the whole reason why Jesus had to separate himself from the Father and come to the earth. Now, it's a different kind of separation we're talking about there. But if you think, because it wasn't of disobedience, it was because of obedience that Jesus came. But Adam and Eve, and consequently mankind, had separated themselves from the Father. That's really the the proper biblical understanding of the term death. You see, the author of life, the Father had created mankind, and they were alive. Spirit, soul, and body, alive. But when man sinned, he became separated from the source of life. That separation from the source of life is death. And to follow that further down the line, for Adam and Eve, I mean, it took, what, 900 plus years before their spirit was separated from their body. You know, when you lie down in the dirt at the end of your days, (laughs) you leave the body behind. That's right. Yeah, that's a good kind of separation, actually. You're going to leave it behind one day, but don't worry, Jesus will come back and pick it up for you. But when he does, you're gonna be happy about it. So there is the thing is, is that it's not just a cessation of life in the way we look at it from such a narrow perspective sometime. You know, there's a bird, it got you know smacked into a window, it fell on the ground, now it's cessation of life, it's dead, stop living. But when it comes to you and I, we don't just stop existing we're actually leaving our body. Now sometimes, and often in the world, we're driven out of our body by disease or by other things, accident that drives, it makes the body no longer a suitable place for your spirit to live and forces the spirit out. But really, as long as your spirit is in your body, you're alive. You have, you, it's like your clothes. When you pick them up and put them on in the morning, your clothes are animated and suddenly have life to them. They move with you. But as soon as you remove them and throw them down on the ground or the laundry basket as it should be, right? As it should be. It should be. Suddenly those clothes are dead. There's no life in them until you put them back on again. Now those clothes also go through a wash. Hallelujah. And you know why? Because you want to separate the dirt from your clothing. (laughs) Hallelujah. So there is some good separation there, yes. So in the same way, you see, mankind became separated from the source of life due to his sin, his disobedience. And you can imagine the father. It's not like he didn't know where Adam was when he said, where are you? And your child might be wandering around the mall and you don't know where they are and you call out, where are you? Because you don't know where they are. But God didn't call out, where are you? Because he didn't know where Adam was. He called out, where are you? Because they were separated from him. Spiritually. Yeah. Separated. So you can imagine if, I mean, think of, you know, as a parent, especially a young parent, with the first kid, and kid gets separated, there's panic. You know, maybe four or five kids down the line, there's not so much panic anymore. Because you're like, well, you know, they'll come around. Or I'll just have another one. I don't know. Some people think different things about that. But, you know, there's not as much panic. But... You can figure how, the God, how our father must have felt, right? There's his man that he created, that he wants to have fellowship with. And this one has been separated. God can't have fellowship with sin and darkness. He can't. It's impossible. Just in the same way that it is impossible for darkness to remain in the room when you turn the light on. Darkness flees. There's no struggle. There's no, like, kind of light, kind of dark, and there's this wrestling going on until finally light wins over. As soon as the light goes on, darkness is gone. They have no fellowship. They have no agreement. They are not alike. They are diametrically opposite to one another. They cannot exist together in the same place. So as soon as the light goes on, darkness leaves. Now you have an idea what's going to happen when Jesus returns to the earth. Darkness just goes. But here's his man, Adam and Eve, who because of sin and disobedience have now become dark. And God is light. And he wants fellowship with them, but he can't get close to them now. Because as soon as he does, the darkness goes and takes the man with him. There's no agreement there. There's no fellowship there. It's the opposite of the purpose that God created man for. He created mankind so that mankind can enjoy God and get to know him and be his sons and daughters. And now that purpose has been thwarted by sin, seemingly so. Thwarted? And now his sons and daughters are estranged from him, alienated from the life of God. So you can imagine the father's heart in the matter. And because of the language we're using in this, that I'm using here, you can imagine similar scenarios in our family situations. Hallelujah. The purpose, God wants fellowship with His creation. And sin has separated His creation from Him. But you know, He was not content to just leave it be. That was never His plan or design, just to leave it that way. He knew from the beginning what He was intending to do. And so he sent his son, his unique son, to live in this earth and show us what fellowship with the Father looks like, to be a light in the darkness, to show us the way back to the Father. And then not just to be that example to us, but then to do something about it to open the way for us so that we can be reunited with the Father. Hallelujah. We can be reconciled to Him once again. And what did Jesus do? He took the very thing that separated us from the Father and He became that Himself. And Jesus hanging on that cross says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because that was the condition of mankind. Separated from the Father. And Jesus became that on our behalf. Not because he committed any sin of his own. But because he took upon himself the sin that we had committed. And the very thing that separated us from the Father, Jesus became. So that the thing that was separating us from the Father could be forever removed. Hallelujah. And we could once again be reunited with the Father. Hallelujah. You know, when you have a tree that has a branch, branches, And you take one of those branches, and you sever that branch from the tree. There might be buds or leaves or fruit on that tree for a time. But eventually, that the leaves will wither. The blossom will fall. Because, why? It has been severed from the source, from the vine. That's what has happened to mankind when he sinned. He was severed from the life of God, severed from the Creator, severed from the Father. And though you have a period of time in the earth where you appear to be alive, could be 80, 90, 100, 120 years. You have a period of time where you appear to be alive. But unless you are grafted back in to that tree, grafted back into the vine, unless that takes place, you're not alive. So what has happened to us through Jesus is he has grafted us back in, which is why he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, praise God. His life, praise the Lord, the the life of God flows through the vine and into the branches and we live forevermore. We bear fruit evermore, praise God. That is our place as believers. That is our position. This has taken place. If you're sitting in this place and Jesus is your Lord, this has taken place for you. Yes, it has. Hallelujah. There is a biblical term. Eventually I'm going to turn to another scripture here. There's a biblical term for when something is when something needs to be separated. I'll use another family situation. You have kids, and they're not behaving. (laughs) And you've said, hey, quit messing around. And however you say it, you know, it may sound a little different. But it's not happening. And they just keep fooling around and messing around and fighting and arguing. And finally, you have to separate them. Because this ain't going to stop until it's been separated. And when it is, it puts an end to that problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, at least for a time. <laughs> Similarly, there are things in life that we need to be separated from. Yeah. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The first thing that our great God has done... Is he has separated us from sin? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has separated us from sin. Praise the Lord. He took you out of darkness, He took you out of sin, He took you out of misery. And when you made Jesus Lord, something happened. We read about it here in verse 26 and 27. It says, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such things. Something happened when you got saved. You were plucked out of the enemy's camp. And brought into the kingdom of God. That's what happened. There was something that took place on the inside of you. Sin and darkness and death was driven out. And you were made alive. So if I have something, you know, like for example, I have, let's say, I don't know, this is a silly analogy maybe, but I go to the beach. And there's a number of, you know, medium-sized little rocks And I'm playing around, as a kid, I don't do this as an adult, (laughs) as a kid, (laughs) and I find a nice, really smooth stone. I'm like, this is a a unique rock. I like this little stone. But then I do something terrible. Well, it's not really. I take that rock with me when I leave the beach. I have separated that rock from his friends. (laughs) But not without a purpose. Because I really like this rock. And this rock is coming home with me. And I'm going to put it up on a shelf somewhere. And this is going to be a special rock. Some might even call it a pet rock. I don't know. People <laughs> used to do that. It was going to be a special rock. And I'm going to look at that rock and I'm going to be like, that is one awesome little rock. I like that rock. What I have done is I have sanctified that rock. I have taken it from its place as being common with so many others, just being beaten up by the waves all the time, right? The storms of life that blow through. I've taken it and it has been beaten up and smoothed over until it has no rough edges anymore. And I have saved it from the beach. I have delivered it from its destiny to obscurity amongst all those other rocks, And now I have given it a special purpose in my house. Hallelujah. It's coming home with me. And this is what the Father has done for you in Christ Jesus. You were out there in the world getting beaten up by the storms of life, just knocking one chip off of you at a time, and next thing you know, you found out about Jesus and what he's done for you, and the Father plucked you out of that place and said, this one is mine, praise God. It's going to be with me in my house, hallelujah. He has sanctified you. You have been sanctified. And everything that you were before, you are not anymore. Hallelujah. From the point that he saved you, he changed you. And you are not the old creation anymore. You are the new. Hallelujah. You have been sanctified. That is your place. Everything that has separated you from the Father, he has designed it, not it, he's designed the plan to make sure that that gets separated out of your life. Sin had once separated us from the Father. But what he has done has separated us from sin. And everything that could keep us from him, he has removed. That is our place. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible calls you a saint. Now, I'm not necessarily recommending putting that on your name tag or on the door of your office. Saint (laughs) so-and-so. But that is who you are nonetheless. When the Bible is, you know, it doesn't say to the sinners at Ephesus at the beginning of this book. (laughs) It doesn't say to the sinners saved by grace, but still sinners. I just thank God I'm saved by grace going to heaven one day, you know. Hallelujah. So much more, absolutely. You have been sanctified, but he's not done with you yet. All right, finally, we will get to another verse. Let's go in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Oh, I'm in 1 Corinthians, which is also good, by the way. 2 Corinthians. Okay. And let's read together starting at verse 14. It's a popular verse. Verses. Look what it says here. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership? What fellowship? What agreement? What partnership have right living and right standing with God with iniquity and lawlessness? What's the answer to that question? None. Zero. They don't agree. Or how can light have fellowship with darkness? Is there any agreement between the two? No. No. What harmony can there be between Christ and... And Belial, which is the devil. Is there any agreement? Do they go out to the pub on weekends together? Have a few drinks? Chat it up? Talk about the plan? Contrary to some belief, no, they don't. There is no fellowship between Christ and Belial, the devil. They don't agree. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? It's the same answer, zero, nothing, zip. So which are you in this story so far here? You are righteousness, not sin. Righteousness, not sin, right? What else are you here? You are light, not darkness, right? That's who you are, yeah? You are Christ. Now, obviously not the Christ but you belong to him. You are of him. And the Bible's saying this. Christ, you are a believer. Amen? Let's keep reading. What agreement, and Amplified adds in here, can there be between a temple of God and idols? Is there any? No? So look what it says right after that. For we are... The temple of the living God. Hallelujah. Even as God has said. Now we can say that because God has said. What does it say after that? Amen. I will dwell in them and with and among them. And I will walk in them and with them and among them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is what he says to us. Remember the father's plan? I will be their God. They will be my people. Hallelujah. Then listen to this. So, because that is true, because God has said that, come out from among them and separate. Sever, separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. And touch not any unclean thing. Then I will receive you kindly and treat you with favor. And like Pastor Ann was saying before, we read some of those things as commands. We're like, oh, God's so mean. Like, he's making me do all this stuff. If I don't do it, then I don't get the prize at the end or whatever or the reward. That's the wrong way to look at that. Here, God is saying... I want you. Yes. Oh, wow. yes, yes. I want you, yes. but as long as you're darkness, I have no fellowship with you. Mm-hmm. So get rid of the darkness so that I can have fellowship with you. Yeah. He goes on to say, and I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. He's the one who says that. We can be his children. And if you have made Jesus Lord of your life, you are his child. Hallelujah. Look what it goes on to say in chapter 7 here. Therefore, since these promises are ours, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates and defiles body and spirit and bring our consecration sanctification, our separation from evil. Let's bring it to completeness or fullness in the fear of the Lord, which means in a great and honoring respect of who he is because he is so wonderful and great. Think of that. Because of who he is and how wonderful and awesome he is, We don't want to be separate from him in any part of our lives. We don't want to be contaminated with the things of the world. We need a washing in our lives. Amen? And that's the thing. What do you do when you put your clothes in the wash? You are separating the dirt from the clothing so that the clothes can be clean and you can wear them. and so that people can't tell what you ate last night by looking at your clothes. You want to separate the dirt. You know, sin leaves a stain too, right? It sure does. Hallelujah. All right. So there is a place, you see, where our present experience... There is more yet for us to experience. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Isn't that so? Yes. And there are things that we, we just need to be separated from. Now, we have been on the inside with how God has made us as believers. We've been separated from sin, but we want what's on the inside To be on the outside. Remember what Jesus said? Quit trying to clean the outside of the cup. If you clean the inside, then the outside will also be clean. Oh, hallelujah. You have been cleaned on the inside. The deepest part of you has been, as we would say, washed in the blood. It has been cleansed by the washing of the water of the word. It has been sanctified. But that cleaning on the inside is coming out onto the outside too and will separate you from all uncleanness, from everything that defiles. It'll separate you from all sin, all ungodliness, all unrighteousness. So now we're going to talk about who does the washing. That might be an argument in your house. Hopefully not. Who cleans the dishes? Who does the laundry? Who cleans the house? There might be a debate there. But there is no debate in the word of God concerning that. When it comes from to, to washing and cleaning, there is only one who is qualified to do so. Oh, hallelujah. Only one. But we're going to go to John first. John 13. Praise the Lord. John 13. Glory to God. Starting in verse 1. Now before the Passover feast began, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father. And as he had loved those who were his own in the world, he loved them to the last and to the highest degree. So it was during supper... Satan, having already put the thought of betraying Jesus in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's Simon's son, that Jesus, knowing fully, knowing fully aware that the Father had put everything into His hands, and that He had now, uh, sorry, that He had come from God and was now returning to God, got up from supper. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Here is our Lord and Savior. He knows what's going on. He knows in a very short period of time, he's going to the cross. He's going to be for the first time separated from the Father. He knows he's going to rise again, but he knows what's coming. And you notice he's not like, guys, gather around. You got to pray for me. I'm about to have a really difficult time. I'm I'm just so upset with what's about to happen. You don't see him doing that. Who is he concerned about here? The disciples. Who is he thinking about? The disciples. So knowing that his time had arrived, the time for him to go to the cross, he wants to show them how much he loves them. So he got up from supper took off his garments and took and taking a servant's towel. He fastened it around his waist. Then he poured water into the wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the servant's towel with which he was girded. So as you may know about that culture in that time, um, that was a very low position to take. The lowest of the low would be the servants that were called in to wash your feet. You know, they would wash the feet because, um, I mean, they're wearing sandals. And they didn't have paved roads. So they're walking from place to place. They're not getting in their Lamborghini and driving across town. They're walking from place to place in sandals and... You can imagine after spending some time traveling back and forth, you got to go to the market, you got to go to the temple, you got to go wherever they're going, their feet are going to get dirty. So it doesn't matter how quickly, how recently they've just had a bath. In short order, their feet are going to be dirty once again. And because it was not a prized job to hold, the lowest of the servants were the ones that were assigned to serve in such a way. And yet, here is our Lord, who is Lord of all, deciding to show his disciples how much he loves them, because even though he's going to the cross, he wants them to know how much he loves them. And he's going to do that by humbling himself to the lowest place, so that he can wash the dirt from their feet. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are my feet to be washed by you? And I would dare say many of us would probably take that same position. I mean, we like to joke about Peter, but really, put yourself in his place for a moment. And think about the Lord as you know him today. And he's coming to you and he's going to wash your feet. He's going to take the lowest position. And today that might be something like cleaning your bathroom. I don't know. The lowest place. But he's going to do something like that for you. I don't see it a far stretch for us to be in Peter's place here and say, no, 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 you're not going to wash my feet. No, you're the Lord. You're going to wash my feet? It would be very easy for us to take that position with the Lord. Jesus said to him, you do not understand now what I am doing. Now, Jesus doesn't lie. So this is not merely about him washing someone's foot, feet. Does that make sense? You do not understand now what I am doing, but you will understand later on. And isn't it great that we get to understand what Jesus is doing here? Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. He stays in that place. Lord, no, 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 you're not washing my feet. Jesus answered him. He didn't rebuke him, he answered him. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. What happens when the light flicks on in a dark room? The dark leaves because the darkness has no part with the light. With him who is not just clean and holy, but clean, he is like the fuller's soap. The soap comes in contact with the dirt and the dirt vanishes. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Got to love Peter here, because he's quick to repent. He's quick to turn around. (laughs) Peter says to him, Lord, wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head too. But you can appreciate his heart, because he's saying, well, hey, if it has to do with having a part with you, then don't stop at just my feet. I want all of me to have a part with you, Lord. And this should be the heart cry of the church. All of me, Lord, to have a part with you. Jesus said to him, anyone who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is clean all over. Now, why did he say that? Well, let's keep reading, and then we'll get back to it. Jesus said to him, Anyone who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is clean all over. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. That was the reason he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had finished washing their feet and put on his garments and had sat down again, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me the teacher or master and the lord and you are right in doing so for that is what i am if i then your lord and teacher have washed your feet you ought to wash one another's feet for i have given this for i have given you this as an example so that you should do what i have done to you should do for others what I have done for you. You see, when we received Jesus as Lord, we were bathed. Clean. Sin and darkness and death and all of that, all the miseries that follow, have been removed. We have been cleaned. He's the one who did the cleaning. He has separated us from the things that separated us from Him. He did the cleaning. We have been bathed. But you see, as we walk through this world, as we live in this place, our feet get muddy, our feet get dirty. Because there are so many things in the world that are dirt and filth in comparison. And we have no fellowship with that. There is no agreement with that stuff. It has no place in our lives. But we walk through this world. You know, we flick on the TV. We hear what's being what's ha- we, you know at the wa- around the water cool at, cooler at work or whatever, with unsaved family members. I mean, you're out and about in the world, and it comes at you. Your eyes and your ears inundated with the dirt and the muck and the filth of the world system. So as we walk through this world, our feet get muddy. But remember, the same Master and Lord that we know that has bathed us is also the same Master and Lord who washes our feet. It's the same one. He is the same one cleansing us from the junk in the world, from the bad habits, from the ugly thoughts, from the wicked ways that we picked up while living in this world. He's the one who's washing our feet as we walk with him. He is the one washing us, cleansing us from all that stuff. But you see, he says, I did this for you as an example. For you to do for one another. Now, he's not talking about a foot washing ceremony. We do that symbolically, and I understand the value of it. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about how one through one another, we have been equipped by the Holy Ghost to edify and strengthen and bless and drive out sin and ugliness out of each other's lives as our own feet have gotten dirty through walking through this world. Jesus physically is in heaven, but he lives in us through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And when you and I Walk in love the way Jesus expressed the fullness of his love by washing their feet. When you and I walk in the same love towards one another, it is the spirit of God. It is the Lord Jesus himself through our love expressed to one another that is washing each other's feet, getting rid of the filth and the grime and the junk that we pick up from living in this world. Hallelujah. I want you to see this morning the fullness of the love of our Savior. That He is the one who washes our feet. And for us to experience that in this earth, it's going to come through Him it's going to come through us walking in love towards one another. And as we do, the Lord is washing each one another. Washing our feet. Hallelujah. It is His purpose for that sanctification to work itself all the way through. It is his purpose to continually separate us from the dirt and the junk. And he does it through us when we walk in love for one another. Hallelujah. That is good news. The Bible exhorts us to, you know, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's foot washing. And to speak the truth to one another in love that you may be built up and edified and every joint supplies strength to one another so that the body may grow up into the head and look like Jesus. That's us washing each other's feet. That's us taking an attitude of like, yes, I understand your your past. I understand what happens just through walking through this world and the the thoughts that come and the, uh, and the mentalities that try to latch on and I understand but let me help you with that. Let me clean that off of you for no other reason other than the love of God for one another. Not so I can clean you up and you can look good in church. It's so that you can live free from those things that hold you and bind you. We have a wonderful opportunity as believers, as brothers and sisters, as members of His Body. For the Lord to work through him, through us, each one of us. In showing a fullness of love. And helping getting rid of the junk out of each other's lives. Now I'm going to say one other thing about that. In love. Because there's a lot of fault finding and picking and and pointing out and blah, blah, blah. That isn't what we're talking about. You didn't see Jesus doing that, going, oh, your feet are pretty bad. Look at that filth. My gosh, how long has it been since you've washed your feet? So terrible here. I'm going to have to wrap a towel around my face because they smell so bad. You see Jesus doing that? Neither should we be doing that to one another. Where have you been? My gosh, that is just so foul. Why did you pick up that silly mentality? Oh, that's so ugly. Yeah, you've been sinning and look, that's terrible. Let's just clean that off of you. That's not following his example. But what is? Love is. Yeah, let me wash that. Let me clean that. Let me take the lowest place as my Lord and Master did to help you to lift you up, to bless you, to cause you to triumph and to be put over and to do well. Amen? This is a wonderful thing for every believer to experience in the current, present-day ministry of Jesus by the Holy Ghost who lives within us, the Holy Spirit who washes and cleanses and sanctifies us through and through. He is faithful. And he will do it. And he will do it through us. Amen? Amen. 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 Why don't you come on up? Thank you, Lord. Let's take a moment to just worship God. Let's take a moment to thank him. You know, if there are things that are in your life that you're looking at and you're like, This is ugh, ugly. There's good news. He has separated you from that. That is not who you are anymore. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. I believe that the Holy Spirit is at work in every believer today and that there is a cleansing and a washing that you're experiencing in a greater way than what you've experienced before. There are things that have plagued you in your mind that are suddenly going to be gone. There's the little whisperings he's come along, and every so often, whisper, whisper, whisper. And suddenly you're going to turn around and go, it is gone, I don't hear it anymore. There are nagging habits that you're like, I just keep, and I feel so bad every time I do, and I just, oh, I just... And he's washing that from your life. Hallelujah. Washing and cleansing, praise God, because that's who you are to him. Clean. His purpose is for you to be that spotless, wrinkle-free bride. Why? So that you can leave behind the ungodly things in the world and be joined unto him. Hallelujah. United to him. Praise God. Let's take a moment to pray together. As we worship, I believe God will do some things in your hearts, and we're going to be praying for you. So, if the pastors could come forward, that would be wonderful. I don't know about you, but I like to stand on my feet when I pray, give God some respect and honor. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. It's amazing. It's so, so amazing what you have done for us. Father, you have plucked us out of darkness. You've removed us from the muck and the mire of this world and its, and its ungodliness. And you have made us a treasure possession Your holy people. You have separated us from the very things that had separated us from you. And we have become united with you, Father, through Jesus, our Lord. And that wonderful Lord, our Savior, has washed us and made us clean. And Father, I believe that even now, even today, by the mighty Holy Spirit within us, He is cleansing, cleansing 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 driving out driving out evil driving out ungodliness driving out wickedness and our feet are being washed and father we have a part with our Lord in that we have a part with Jesus oh hallelujah we have a part with him We have a part with you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There are those that are struggling with addictions and the stain of those addictions and how it has affected your mind. And from this point forward, you are cleansed and healed of it. In Jesus' name, be free of it. Praise God, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A 13139, 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W3B1.